0: As if, you know, God, what God has said is not good enough. It's not relevant enough. And so sometimes we need to unleash and show what God has given to us is unbelievable.
1: Here we go! Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Yeah. Talk about them when you say, hello.
0: Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni.
1: All right, Tony, we are back and refreshed, and uh, you don't have that weird noise going that we had a minute ago, Uh, (laughs) weird machine, but how's it going, my friend?
0: I'm doing well, so I got my uh, coffee, so that helps me get through everything. So actually, coffee I bought at L.L. Bean in Maine, so it's not that great, but it's Maine coffee.
1: Okay, yeah, I I can't say that L.L. Bean is the first place I would look to for quality coffee, but...
0: It was 60% off, and so I, you know, I'm a bargain shopper sometimes at the
1: expense of my own self. All right, Tony, we are back and refreshed, and uh, you don't have that weird noise going that we had a minute ago, Uh, (laughs) weird machine, but how's it going, my friend?
0: I'm doing well, so I got my uh, coffee, so that helps me get through everything. So actually, coffee I bought at L.L. Bean in Maine, so it's not that great, but it's Maine coffee.
1: Okay, yeah, I, was, I can't say that L.L. Bean is the first place I would look to for quality coffee, but... It was 60%
0: know. off, and so I, you know, I'm a bargain shopper sometimes at the expense of my own self.
1: Well, I okay, I can appreciate that, because, yeah, I am too. So Tony, are you using a sippy cup to? Uh, uh, I, I sometimes just you just go with what you have around.
0: I'm not right now, so the <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sometimes I wonder I spill on myself a lot, and so maybe I should get a sippy <laughs> cup though. So how about you? Do you have a sippy cup?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't drink my coffee out of a sippy cup. I prefer drinking out of a mug, but then like in the mornings when I drink it, and then I, I have a second cup. I'll have to put it into a travel mug, which I don't, I really don't like drinking it out of the travel mug that much. It does keep it hot, but I just, it, something about it changes the, the flavor a little bit to me. I don't know, maybe I'm drinking little yeah. small flakes of uh, metal, but anyway. I, I imagine though that your kids, at some point in your not that distant past, you had sippy cups laying around. Oh, without house.
0: question, so.
1: <laughs> or your car, you know, under this, the couch or whatever. Without oh.
0: question, I did. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So, you didn't just start your kids off with a, a glass?
0: No, no, definitely not. So, I mean, we, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we could have, we started them off with a giant tumbler. So, I'm, <laughs> you know, I yeah, really, I
1: mean, they're helpful. The sippy cups are because of kids' natural limitations. And we, when our kids use them, we expected them to drop yeah. them on accident or to throw them. Uh, whether they were angry or just sort of finding out what happens, the cause and effect kind of thing, and as they age, though, we expect them to be able to handle a cup mm-hmm. or a glass or a coffee mug or whatever it may be, and you know, as time has passed, we think they should be able to handle more. Uh, that doesn't always doesn't always and there could be you know various reasons for that, but um, you would think at, at, we're connecting this to Christian discipleship that there would be. Uh, a similar dynamic at play. Now, what kind of got me thinking about the sippy cup thing uh, was, you know, we've talked about this just together and then also on the podcast, I think just very recently on the podcast, about the Driscoll uh, Mars Hill podcast that really, really got a lot of attention. Yep. It's very, very interesting, and especially if if you saw that stuff happening kind of in real time. Yeah. You and I weren't there, but like, you know, we're aware um but he in one of the early episodes Driscoll was preaching and apparently he went on this long tirade about men needing to grow up, which was a common theme. And I mean there was some truth is some truth to that, but he was talking about women settling for guys that were just kind of losers. And he said, you know, I'm just waiting on going to the mall and I see a woman pushing a guy in a stroller and he's got beer and a sippy cup. And I mean, I think that's funny. Um just the image of it and just you know he's got a lot of potential um and so it it kind of it kind of bridged for me this idea of of christian discipleship and, and helping people to to get them off the spiritual sippy cups uh not so much sippy cups full of beer but uh we've you know what are we doing in our homes and in our churches to help get Young Christians off of the spiritual sippy cups. The goal is not for them to be used, you know, drinking their coffee one day out of that. We want to propel them forward. So, Tony, let me ask you: How did you grow? Because you you became a Christian, I don't know, roughly a decade after I did. Yep. Um, And so, and you know, I I think I was seven. You were, you know, what sixteen?
0: Around there. Yep. So sixteen.
1: And that's a lot of development, you know, as far as over the span of your life, like there's a big difference between the two of those. Um, So that was going to look different in my case than yours. But how did you grow as a Christian and just how do Christians grow and mature generally?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of ways, oftentimes I grew without noticing that I was growing at the time. Uh, I I think God used uh, most of all the Bible. I mean, prayer fellow Christians, and God even used trials pretty significantly, but I mean there I think there are other ways beyond that. Actually, I think of one of the catechism questions that we ask our kids is, uh, you know, what does God use to change Christians? And it's the God's word, prayer and trials, and I think there's more than that, but it's funny, because like, reflecting has been huge in my growth. Uh, but I, I do think Christians grow progressively, and, and like, you know, a weightlifter, now, a weightlifter doesn't become massive by just one time of the gym you know it's a progressive act you know it's it's consistent it's Mm -hmm. you know not kind of this uphill slow battle or you know just in the same way that somebody gets healthy uh that uh, on a diet uh, that if they're in shape you know it's going to be kind of a consistent thing you know consistently they're choosing the salad over the bacon cheeseburger that i sometimes (laughs) sinfully choose Uh, not it's not inherently sinful to choose that but it's sinful to choose it in the way that i choose (laughs) it
1: Yes, vegan is the way, right?
0: No, <laughs> it is not. What do you think? How did you grow as a Christian? I assume that uh, you got. Uh, did you like put some Bible verses inside in your sippy cup, especially since you were younger? You know, put them on the side of it.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the my sippy cup days, uh, but I do need to ask you before I answer that. Did, did Mark Driscoll help you grow? Actually,
0: he did. He won uh, 100. Okay, I, I thought
1: I was going to get a yes answer out of that. Um,
0: also, some people <laughs> would have walked away from the Lord had. So, you know, I, I don't think that's, I think God helped me grow and that God well, uses people, even people that don't know him.
1: God uses imperfect means in, in every case when he uses other believers, but, uh, he uses other people. So I think that I grew in a lot of the same ways as you. And I think it's a lot of our growth is not spectacular. Um, I think you and I both would would see that in scripture, and I think experience bears it out, that we don't necessarily need um, what some people may refer to as breakthroughs or these special, quote, mountaintop experiences, yeah. and that there's this uh, enormous amount of growth that happens in a, a short time span. Just the week in and week out, being exposed to God's word, praying, being in relationship with his people, and suffering like you said that shapes us that pushes us into the lord and so yes I, i think that's that's how i've grown and that's how it works in general so kind of related to that you know we're talking about discipleship and that's a term that gets used in church a lot you know we've got pastors of discipleship we've got a discipleship ministry uh all kinds of stuff like that but how would you define discipleship?
0: Yeah. So I think, uh- discipleship is you know the really the being saved of our three kinds of salvation you know it's uh, the bible talks about you know i think three senses in which we're saved we have been saved which is justification or being saved which is sanctification and we will be saved which is glorification uh and so you know that's kind of the way in which we're becoming what we already are in jesus uh but uh, disciples i mean i think Key, that the key to what his disciple was in scripture is somebody who's a student uh, so we really are learning to be more like jesus that's what discipleship i think really keely is um that uh, primarily is i don't think keely is a word so but <laughs> the uh but i mean i will say that sometimes i define it poorly i think a lot of people do i remember in those early days of my christian faith my senior year of high school i ran a kind of a ministry at our high school uh, called junior disciples and uh, for kind of younger, you know, junior high uh, age students to kind of help disciple them. I use some really bad stuff in that. And, you know, and I'm not sure it's helpful to call somebody junior disciples. Uh, it's not a really <laughs> biblical terminology or right understanding of discipleship. But, you know, I do think clearly, I mean, it's being a student. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. being under a master. What do you think, Ben?
1: I, I like what you said there talking about the three aspects of our salvation as well as the learning part. And the word for disciple is is related to the word for learn in Greek. Yeah. And the same root there. And so, I mean, in the first century context, there would have been people who were very familiar with disciples of a rabbi. They would have followed the rabbi around and listened to the rabbi teach and memorize what the rabbi said and then tried to live out, to embody the way the rabbi lived life yeah so it wasn't some you know new thing that jesus invented but in our own discipleship we are to like you said uh we're becoming like jesus It involves transformation and we're learning the things jesus said we're trusting him first and foremost and then we are learning what he said and learning to do those things to, to walk in his ways <clears throat> yeah So sometimes just people want to use it in a narrow way like oh are you in a discipleship relationship and they mean by that one-on-one which again that can be very helpful um i've benefited from that both ways but that's not the only thing that discipleship is no i agree so have american churches because i mean we're going to speak to that context because that's the one that we live in that we've always lived in and so that we're most familiar with have american churches done well at discipling young people
0: Uh, I mean, I think there are ways in which... Uh, they have done it, but I actually, it's funny, because I kind of wonder if the ones that have uh, more dedicated discipleship ministries have done the worst. I don't think it's inherently wrong to, but, you know, it's, uh, it's funny, it's almost like, you know, there are actually some studies that show that I don't think youth ministry is wrong, but churches with youth ministries tend to disciple their teens the worst, (laughs) on average, you know, (laughs) because, you know, it's, sometimes it's rooted in misunderstanding, Uh, but I think that, we can have a we have lacked a mortification culture, uh, in churches and American churches especially. Which is you know mortification means like kill kill sin. Uh, you know that's what I mean. John Owen talked about mortification of sin. Be killing sin or it'll be killing you, which is. Key to discipleship, uh, and especially, I think we've often really lacked this for young people. Uh, and so, when we lack this, I don't think we can have an effective discipleship program. Uh, and I know that you're going to ask if I mean if that bar set too low uh, as well. And I, which I'm curious your thoughts on. But you know, I, I remember of my youth ministry that days. You know, uh, I we had a program that kind of dive deeper with teens, and we called this Beyond Expectations, and we called it that. Because, you know, frankly, I think that there's not much expectations of discipleship among young people in general in churches. So what do you think, though, Ben? Do you think that American churches have done the best job possible at this?
1: Well, certainly not the, the best job possible. And I don't want to be doom and gloom. I can look and see plenty of examples where you go, eh, that really needs improvement. Or there's genuine effort here. But, yeah, this could be improved somewhere. I mean, that's just this is really inexcusable i mean I, and i'll speak just anecdotally and then if i don't want to set our church up as we've got it all figured out because we don't and there's a lot of ways where we can improve in this one thing that i think our church does well is that we do make god's word very central and there's yeah. ways that even in that we could grow but other people have, have noticed that too and a number of the teenagers in our church um, have visited at some other places. Like they went to their youth group meetings, and I heard this feedback from them. They said, "Oh yeah, I mean it was cool. It was a neat place, and like play these cool games, but there wasn't much Bible." Yeah. And so, if that is kind of indicative of of those ministries or those churches, I would say, yeah, we got a problem there. I mean, we're not teaching people to observe what Jesus commanded. I think you're right, the, the mortification of sin, the killing of our sin, that we're – and James talks about it at the end of chapter 1, how uh, true religion is to keep ourselves un, untainted from the world. So there's this, this personal holiness, but there's also the actively pursuing what is good. Paul talks about being zealous for good deeds, and I think it is a both and. Sometimes people in the – on one, just with a lot of things – fallen humans even redeemed fallen humans tend to lean towards one or the other you know personal holiness and the others are more activists it's a both and like our lives should be marked by purity but then also by pursuing what is loving and and acting as jesus did and i certainly don't think you were denying that no um i'm gonna quote uh j.i packer and i I think his name is gary parrott uh they wrote a book on catechism that i don't know if have you read it Uh, i think it's called grounded in the gospel
0: i have not it sounds i've heard of it though i've heard it's really good
1: it's good yeah and they make this observation they say ironically the billions of dollars we spend on youth ministers christian music publishing and media has produced a culture of young christians who know next to nothing about their own faith except how they should feel about it Mm. yeah and and they were basing that that conclusion off of surveys that have been done with teenagers in particular, uh, asking them about core tenets of the Christian faith. And again, you can have very well-defined theology and still not be like Jesus. Yeah. And there's other people who, sort of in spite of their theology, the Lord has been at work and transformed them to look a lot like Jesus, kind of in spite of, of, of the shortcomings there. Um but we, we can have both, and it's it's not that we have to pick good theology or loving obedience. Um, so I, I think that in some ways we have set the bar too low, and I've uh, read a book over the past year that was making this very case that we have set the bar too low. We've been focused on just keeping people in our churches rather than forming people into the image mm-hmm. of Christ. And so we're like, well, we know that you're busy, and we you know, have all this other stuff to do. That again, it may not even it may not be sinful. It may be fine things, but you, you know we know that you pack your schedule with a lot of this stuff. So, you know, if you could come to this thing like once a month, or that'd be great. And so people are like, what's? After a while, they begin to say, well, why bother? This is not yeah. a bigger cause, and, and I think that is compelling. And I mean, if you look at Jesus saying, come and you know take up your cross and follow me. Go sell all you you have and um, give it to the poor and then follow me. Now. Some of those things, I mean, that last one, that was told to one guy. But yeah. the, the bar is very high for following Jesus Amen. Uh, and being his disciple. So I mean, what's involved in discipling young people? And is that different than what's involved in discipling adults?
0: Yeah, I think in both cases the main things involved is really the primary, uh, the ordinary means of grace. We've talked about ordinary means before, which are, you know, word and sacrament, uh, and chiefly in the context of the local church. I, I, I still, I think we must make very clear that the local church is indispensable for discipleship. In fact, I think that, you know, if you were to take what we do in our discipleship six days of the week, and compare it to what happens on Sunday. I, I think a, Bible, a reading of scripture would suggest that the one day of the week, the Sunday, has more significance. Uh, I don't think it means that the other days don't have significance, but you know, you cannot compare God's what God created, which is the worship service. Uh, but I think it's often uh, one-on-one relationships as well. Uh, you know, in both cases, and, and you're going to see this. You know, it's not exclusively that, of course, but oftentimes just in the same way that you know Jesus discipled people, and it's like I mean that term discipleship kind of conveys that kind of, you know, mentoring, and, uh, you know, and so oftentimes it's going to happen deeper. That doesn't mean exclusively, but I I would guess this is largely, for most reasons, the same for both Areas, But I think young people tend to need more of an active hand in their discipleship. I I think it's just the nature of young people. I mean, it's pretty easy to drift off, you know. And it's really, you're being so formed in so many things, you're being catechized, like you talk about. And so I think it's often, you know, the benefits of having, you know, one person that's mature really uh, pouring into another person is huge at young ages what do you think ben
1: i think that you're right the ordinary means of grace is is what's front and center and it may look a little different from younger people to older people but there's still the basic building blocks they don't change and like you were saying earlier about junior disciples maybe not being the most helpful category yes say, nine-year-old faith or 17-year-old faith is going to look different than 45-year-old faith, and Mm -hmm. it should, but it is still, we're trusting the same Savior, we are seeking to obey the same commands Mm -hmm. of the Savior, and we're seeking to become like that Savior. And so that's, there's no need to get too cute. Yeah, But we're, we're teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded. So there's this educational component. Like it is necessary to, to know some basics about the faith. I mean the, to quote Packer and Parrott earlier, they need to know more than just how they should feel about the faith. They need to know some actual things. Like, And I mean you can make the case from the Great Commission that teaching about the Trinity is a central thing. I mean, ritual to teach them uh, to observe these things to baptize them in the name of the father the son and the spirit i mean it's just right there this is who god is he is a a tri-unity and so if we're going to worship the god who's there worship him rightly that's part of it and so even teaching fairly young kids about the trinity i think we did we did an episode on teaching about the trinity without teaching heresy or something like yeah, that Yeah, we did
0: yeah a long time ago we've been doing this for forever so <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: um there's also the obedience component. We're we're helping them not just to think the right thoughts. Yeah, that is really important. But also to to do the things. As we do those things, we will become more like Jesus. And we're equipping people. Ephesians mm-hmm. four talks about that. That uh, people within the church who are gifted to teach, they are to equip God's people for ministry, so that together we become like Jesus. We grow up That's into good. Him who's the head. And so. Those are the basic components and wisdom may dictate or context may dictate some differences here and there uh, in the responsibilities that you have, the context um, for using gifts and, and those kinds of things, but it's not uh, too different. It's more degree than it is you know, different types. So Tony, who's responsible for making disciples of young people and adults?
0: Yeah, good question. So, I think, I mean, as our podcast, any listeners of our podcast would have figured out by now, I think first, the parents of young people to the point that uh, if no other ministries are present, that they're without excuse. You know, I, I mean, I legitimately think that, you know, that uh, if, you know, that a parent is without excuse for seeing our kids, their kid disciple, even if that parent does not have any children's ministry programs at all in their church. I mean, the buck stops there, uh, legitimately. Uh, but I think the local church still is God's instrument uh, for discipling at all levels. Uh, and so, and we don't therefore need a junior approach to it. Uh, like, I mean, that wrong junior discipleship. I mean, we, the I think the local church has a, a responsibility. I think that God is going to hold pastors accountable uh, for the discipleship of the three-year-olds in the church. And uh, so I think we're all responsible to disciple one another as well. Uh, you know, because we are— It's I, I, I'm so fascinated by that, you know, the question in scripture, am I my brother's keeper after the first murder happens? And the biblical answer to that is always, yes, I am my brother's keeper. And even in discipleship, we are responsible for one another's discipleship as each other's brother's keeper. So yeah, I think in a way the parents, and another way the church, and another sense literally every Christian. What do you think, Ben?
1: I think that's very well said, and I agree with you. Yes, even if there's no you know junior church or there's no Sunday school, any of that kind of stuff, that mom and dad are ultimately held accountable by God for training them to, to to walk in the Lord's ways, and they bear a different kind of responsibility. But yes, I mean the the commission to go make disciples was first given to the apostles. Some have made the case, though not convincingly to me, that that only applied to the apostles. I think it, it is a, a commission given to the church as a whole that it, whatever we do, th- that is the goal of, of what we're after. And so the lady that's holding the babies in the nursery, not, I, I mean, I'm aware that maybe that's not the best example, but she can sing songs to the baby and pray for that, that child that one day this child would trust Jesus and, and live for him. Um, the folks that are setting up chairs, I mean, they can be having conversations with one another as they do that, encouraging one another, or, hey, I, I remember you had this thing going on, hey, I was praying for you, just wanted to check in. I mean, that is a way of discipling somebody and helping them to lean on the Lord. And so, yes, parents are primary, the primary disciple makers of their children, primary spiritual nurturers, but there's other people who have some stake in that and responsibility and uh we you know those who preach and teach within the church they have they're told uh in scripture that they bear a stricter judgment uh i heard mark Dever say once i don't know what that means but i believe it yeah (laughs) and yeah i mean i don't know what that looks like but it's we need to be careful about what's coming out of our mouths and ultimately our lives as we are examples in the flock but that it doesn't just stop with the guy that's up there at the pulpit or the stool or the table or you know whatever whatever you're if you're a cool church, um, and so yeah I, I mean there's just um, it, it's a lot of both and
0: yeah absolutely so that's good.
1: So what kinds of steps do churches need to take to help disciples to mature and yeah. not stay on the sippy cup?
0: So I, I think and this is actually something that you know this sunday uh which is going to be in march Uh, this is going to be posted in like a month but i'll be about to preach on is uh in part it's you know i think that we need to have you know a really proper ordering of the sins that bother us and i think that needs to be something that a church needs to take step to ensure that's part of our teaching in the sense that uh you know we i think a church needs to create a culture where the sins that the sins of the person we see in the mirror are the sins that bother us the most? Then the sins of the body, of the community, uh, of the faith, and then after that, the world sins. Uh, otherwise, I think maturing disciples becomes really impossible. Uh, and I think that we need to build a culture where we speak into each other's lives, which is hard and it's going to be a lot of work, uh, and it's going to be vulnerability. Uh, you know, it's but it's going to be well worth it. So, uh, and, and lastly, you know. Uh, that I think that we unleash the Bible and the other means like prayer that they already have and show the power that they have, you know, don't, it, it it saddens me because I feel like that there has been some ministries of discipleship that have almost acted like what we have is really not enough. I mean, you know, like, uh, I mean, I know of a ministry of a book, you know, that as you know, we need God speaking to us today to be able to mature as if, you know, God, what God has said is not good. Enough. It's not relevant enough. And so sometimes we need to unleash and show what God has given to us is unbelievable. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: I really like that last part. I said recently, um, I was about to pray for our church and I read scripture and then prayed. And I said that the spirit and the word don't want a divorce.
0: Ooh, that's good.
1: You know, we often think of our. And I, I have thought this too, and I've seen it a lot, where sort of the spirit, you know, he does his thing. And if you're charismatic, well, he's, you know, slaying people in the spirit, or giving people breakthroughs, or I don't know, giving them direct messages, or whatever. You, I mean, you can talk about excesses and that. I'm, I'm sympathetic to some, but um, or the spirit's just doing this or that. And then, oh yeah, and then there's the Bible, but it's sort of a dead word. It's like, no, I mean, that we just read this. That was the that is the spirit speaking to us right now, and we've got to reckon with that. And then, yes, I believe that He will illumine us as we, as we interact with that, and meditate on it, and, and help us to understand and, and show us the nooks and crannies of our lives that that applies to. But yeah, so I mean, some of it is teaching people how to how to do that.
0: Yeah. So well, I think I've come up with your first book's book title, The Greater Divorce. <laughs>
1: I think whatever steps churches take, that it's not um, there's some special formula, but there there is we're trying to to take those common means of grace, and we just talked about that with the word and helping people to put that into practice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, to to help one another, and there's a book you you probably heard of it and maybe read it, but it's called the Vine Project. Um, love that book yeah it's great Just it's not giving you a program to plug and play in your church but it, it's talking about how the bible approaches discipleship and then giving some wisdom on how you can try to change the culture of your church towards that but it doesn't give uh, you know all the answers for this just just set it up this way and you know kind of build it and they will come but they talk about the the prayerful persevering proclamation of God's word by the people of God and so, as we're speaking the word to one another and applying it to one another's lives, um, steps like that that are that are helping people to become like Jesus. And that's, I mean, it, it ultimately is a culture, and I mean that's something that our church is, is uh, needs to take more steps towards that. And you know, recently I, I was kind of a little discouraged about the state of things, and then I was in a a setting where I heard about some things going on and it was a good reminder to me that, okay, yeah, the Lord is is at work here and here and here. And I didn't even know about it. Um, But it's still, we, we press on to try to to multiply that effect and and, and that work. Um, Well, Tony, what kind of steps do parents need to take to help uh, disciples mature in their own household?
0: That's a good question. So uh, I think, we should talk about sin struggles and even our own at times. Actually, it's funny because, like, honestly, you know, there are things I need to grow on. But I have found even even making the joke like about, you know, it's sin when I eat the bacon cheeseburger. I've kind of learned that. Sometimes it's helpful, you know, to not you know cover up our sin, to not you know act as if, you know. But instead, they'll bring it to the light in a way that kills it, in a way that doesn't treat it as you know something to be hidden. So, uh, but I think when we do disciple our kids, parents should talk then about that, and and I think work with our kids to help them mortify their sins. Yeah, and I think you know that should be. Uh, I I think parents and kids, you know, families should be places where where we know each other, sin struggles, not in a, you know, navel-gazy or an attacky way, but in a way that we're going to help one another, uh, you know, and lift one another up and pray for one another and that. So, uh, the, and the, I mean, so again, that goes back to the building that culture again, but I, I think then we should also point them to people who can help, uh, that, uh, that who you hope they can follow as that person follows Jesus. I mean, that's, I mean, a lot of discipleship is following people as they follow Jesus. I mean, Paul urged that for Timothy to himself. I mean, I know of, uh, I mean, I know of somebody in our church that we've kind of set up with our our oldest, you know, is able to help this, uh, this woman in ways, and she, and we really hope that, are all this really learns a lot from that person, even in the natural conversations as they go about, you know, doing this activity. So,
1: well, I I like what you said, um, in creating a culture that we're all, I don't know. I've been thinking about this recently that when I was a kid, my dad read me that book, the three musketeers. Have you ever read it? Yep. And the one for all all for one.
0: I've also eaten it. So
1: (laughs) I, yeah, I like those. Um, but just that that mindset that we're all here trying to love one another. We're trying to help each other to follow Jesus and just creating that kind of context, love as well, getting others involved. And then there's been research that's done – and again, this is just common grace, but we can learn from it – but that kids that stick in the faith who grew up in Christian Homes and then continue into adulthood, they have – I think it's at least five significant relationships with other adults who, who know them and who know their parents. And it it just helps to solidify for them. Oh, there's other other people that care for me that believe the same thing my parents do. And I think it's just, it's wise of us to take note of that, that 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 is a common thread and put other people in their life who who can. And I think, I think when we were talking to chap Bettis, he talked about something similar, not necessarily referencing the, the statistic. Maybe he did, but just that we are reinforcing the things that we believe and the ways that in which we want to live by putting them in this network of relationships. Yeah. And so you said it at the beginning that the, the local church is just indispensable for Christian discipleship. Like you cannot follow Jesus as he intends, as he calls us to, apart from his people. Um, I mean it, it's like – I don't know, moving in to somebody's house and the, the husband's like, listen, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'll pay for your stuff, but my wife is here. She's going to cook the meals for you. She's going to, to interact with you and you, you can't just ignore my wife. Okay. like, I know we've established this relationship, but I love her very much. So if you're going to be here, you've got to, um, you've got, she, it's a package deal kind of thing. Yep. And so. Um, so as as parents seek to to help fold their kids into the family of God, mm-hmm. and there's things they can do, you know, in in the home life. But and again, it's not a cookie cutter approach. But there's there are some wise practices like family worship, prayer, uh, discipline, requiring them to obey, teaching them about authority, and, and these kinds of things. And I, I like what you said too about helping them, giving them the skill. But again, it's it's spirit empowered. But how to kill their own sin? How to make war on that? Because it's going to look different for different sins. And then how to actively we we put off the old and then we put on the new. It's not just enough that we stop lying, but that we actively tell the truth. Or you know that we put off being mean. That like we yeah. actively put on kindness yeah. uh, and, and go. And I mean, here's another example. But in Ephesians four. Paul tells those who are stealing to steal no more, but he doesn't just say, stop stealing. He says, but work so that you can have something to share. So, I mean, you're actively running away from that to then giving your stuff to others that may have a need. And so, um, I think that's an important element. Or in other words,
0: basically you're trying to say, we should do to sin what Tom Brady did to the Falcons in the second half of the Super Bowl, right?
1: (laughs) That's about right. Oh yeah. So, Tony, will it will it look the same in every church and in every home?
0: Yes and no. I, I mean, I think ordinary means are for everyone. Uh, I mean, clearly. So, in the uh, most ways, it probably will. You know, I mean, it's not like we should expect, you know, every, um, that every church, some, one church to read the Bible and one church to read Oprah's Book Club and that disciple people. Uh, but all have different spiritual deficiencies. And so, yeah, we're going to cater to a degree, you know, to the deficiencies in our own home. You know, I mean, there might be, just, uh, in a lot of ways, it, it's similar to how, you know, navigating, you know, conviction of sin. That there are people that are bruised reeds, you know, which is a biblical terminology for somebody who basically is like overly beating themselves up on their sin. And there are people that are, you know, that uh, are, you know, have, um, what Taylor Swift's attitude of shake it off when they think of their sins, you know. Uh, But but I think regardless, uh, I mean, our kids, we need to understand our kids are complicated, so we should approach them just in the same way that a good pastor approaches this congregation. You know, I mean, we're called, uh, I mean, we talk about, you know, we shepherd our children, and and a godly pastor doesn't approach every member in the same way. And in the same way, you know, for that we're pastors of our kids, we should approach each individual child in different ways, but at the same time, using the same primary tools. What do you think, Ben? I mean, do you think that we should have, you know, that Oprah book club approach in some kids and some churches? Or do you think that that it should always be the same in every
1: case? Well, you got to teach them that a hater is going to hate. It's um true so actually last night i was out uh, my wife and i went on a date and we were we went into this like discount store then you get all kind of you know to close out things and they had a, a display of books that were i guess they're called inspirational and some of them well they had bibles and, and these different like quote christian publications and then oprah had a book up there in the same display and it was called the wisdom of sundays or, or something uh, I didn't pick it up and, and browse through it. I didn't think it was worth the energy to, to extend my arm, but uh, it is funny that you mentioned that. But yeah, I would agree that it is yes and no, that the common means of grace, you can't take that away. It, it doesn't change. It, one group is not, like you said, free to uh, preach the Bible and then someone else is just gonna like burn candles and incense and think good thoughts. That, that's not I – mean, we're told to, to, to have the Word, to make that central, and it's what gives us life. It, it's what builds us up. So, yes, th- there's going to be ways in which it lo- may look different and because I mean, there's so many complexities, particularly in family life. But um, – and even within particular churches, like we were talking about the Vine Project earlier this kind of idea of the, the prayerful persevering proclamation of God's word by God's people that can take shape in a lot of ways yeah. that's past the, the gather worship service. But even within that, you may have someone give testimony to, uh, to something that another church may not do as regularly. And that's actually biblical, but it, it's not that if you don't have that, you're not a true church. But then I, if you have small groups, or you don't have small groups, or you have some sort of instructional thing. I mean, Sunday school—I'm—I'm I'm a fan. It's helpful, but it's not biblically mandated. But teaching and instructing is, and I don't know, but it seems like some of the the early church gatherings may have lasted longer than our quote hour on Sunday. I Uh-oh. mean, if Paul preached so long, the guy fell at this—you know—fell out and died. Um, mm-hmm. Now maybe that was exceptional for Paul preaching—you know—all night, but it is telling. So, you know, maybe there was some more instruction that went on. And anyway, I mean, we could go off on that rabbit trail, but let's not at the moment. But yes, it's going to, there's room for difference. But again, the building blocks are the same. Just like, I mean, you could take a building um, and have the same materials, but the building that you end up making will look different, have different rooms or things like that, but it still can be used for the same function and uh, well, So, Tony, are there any particular emphases that you think either church and or home needs to be especially aware of in our time and, and place, or, you know, if you're a prophet that you can see ahead, mm-hmm. things that, that may matter?
0: I didn't realize you knew that about me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that we live in a culture where the cruelest thing you can do is show someone where they need help. And I think that is going to really impact discipleship. And it's going to make this a lot harder, but more necessary. You know, I mean, I again, I think, saw, I mean, on social media, I mean, somebody who may be a little more brazen than I thought, but trying to get to the gospel to somebody actually, and kind of, you know, actually asking about their name Christian and whether kind of they live up to that namesake, whether that means something to them. And uh, I I saw kind of there was some pushback, basically, and, you know, that should, should we ever kind of, you know, should we make people feel bad about that kind of thing? I think people just need encouragement today. And, you know, encouragement is encouragement to godliness. And it can be uncomfortable. It shouldn't be being a jerk and up in people's face. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that can be the cruelest thing they do when somebody needs help. And so we have we have to be bold. Uh, and I think, lastly, just that we should trust that what God gives us is not insufficient, uh, which I think that we have to navigate. In our context, I think there's a feeling oftentimes that, you know, these things aren't really enough. We need to reinvent the wheel. You know, we need the newest, big, best book on discipleship or else we can't really disciple people. Uh, and I think we have to resist that.
1: So when's that coming out for you?
0: I thought that was your book. I thought that was the uh, that, <laughs> oh, oh, <okay. laughs> the greater divorce okay. book.
1: Uh, I did not get that prophetic word.
0: So. <laughs> How about you, Ben?
1: Um. I think that you are right. I think that there was some stuff I I just had not considered. But yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is sort of the the self-esteem we need to build up and ne- and always affirm and never never point out. Is that kind of what you're you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I mean I think that I mean or even like, you know, intolerances, you know. That it's the cruelest act act that you one could imagine, kind of, to point out, to, to say that some of these activities, like sexual activities, is a sin. And I think that's a product more of our culture that, you know, that is not, you know, you can't speak into each other's lives, you know. How dare you ever, ever say I'm doing anything wrong?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think it is, uh, you know, the expressive individualism, as, as some have called it, and there's other things, but that that is a big problem, and I think it, it, this is, it's related to some of the stuff I'm about to say, but some of the issues with gender, I think that those are increasingly – we just can't ignore them as churches yeah. and families, and we've done episodes on that just even recently because we, we – like it or not, we live – we have a gendered reality. And it is a gift to us. And so there are ways, again, it's not, it's more, uh, I don't even know how to express it properly, but there are ways that a woman will follow Jesus that are slightly different than the ways a man will follow Jesus. Though, if you were to do a Venn diagram, there's a whole lot of overlap. Yeah. Um, but just helping, uh, and this is not even just from an apologetic standpoint, but helping our our children and our young people and young adults and beyond whatever, whoever needs it, um, to, to see that that is a gift of God. And because that is where, if you want to call it the battle is raging and it, it is an area that's under attack. And so not to be, uh, just angry and pounding against the sin of the culture, like you were saying about being angry about the sin out there, but not really taking the sin in, in my own heart and, our uh, in our fellowship seriously but uh also not caving to cultural pressures because we fear man um i, I think that that is something and just being able to have a, a well well-reasoned biblical um winsome response to why we think that is why it matters and why it's good that, yeah. that god has given us you know these complementary uh genders and these gifts Uh, I think, too, the elevating um, political solutions over the gospel or uh, over the church, over conformity to Christ and the kingdom of God, that is a temptation just in this present moment. I don't know if that will continue or not, if if tensions will die down. But there are people, and I think you and I know people, who would claim allegiance to Christ and who are – on the right politically and who are on the left politically and who are very angry at the other side. Yep. And I mean, you know, veins bulging out of the neck and the forehead kind of thing. And I, I get, I think well-meaning, but it's sort of, this is the answer. If you don't do it this way, you are not being faithful to the Lord and our political judgments matter. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about politics over, over the years, both, uh, behind a microphone and not and we we vote and we care but Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world and that's not some kind of escapism for us no. but there is a kingdom that's coming that's it's broken in now but its fullness is not yet here and we wait for that and that's ultimately the one that matters and so we don't need to go into cardiac arrest or have a stroke or something, Because we're so wrapped up in we've got to get this bill passed or get this person elected so that they can get this justice put on there or whatever the argument is. And so I think those are things that um, – I mean there's been a lot of stuff written about it and people are talking about it on podcasts and probably writing books about some of those things because it is actually breaking churches apart and denominations are struggling. And uh, it is a major thing. And so – I don't know. I find myself, not that I'm necessarily just in the middle and everything, but being one of those people that's going, all right, everybody, let's just let's take a breath and count to ten, you know, and not burn everything yeah. down and and decry everyone as heretics or traitors or whatever it is. Um, so those to me stand out and just in my own experience. So Tony, anything as we close up? Is there something that you'd say that someone who's they're trying to to get out of the the stroller and the the beer sippy cup or the the milk sippy cup uh, in their home or in their church? Are are there, I don't know, any immediate steps you'd say to pursue?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that we should pray for discipleship uh, more. And I think we really don't pray enough about discipleship. I mean, I think that there's even calls in Bible to pray for that kind of culture of discipleship and pray for even our kids' discipleship. Uh, but I think also at the same time, that uh, that we can be content with, uh, that, you, know, with a little short, you know, small, incremental, progressive growth that can really do great things. Because I, I think uh, the errors in our understanding of discipleship have a tendency to kind of, you know, you need to do, it needs to be big and flashy. But flashy things are flashes in the pan in terms of discipleship. Uh, and, you know, that's okay. It's okay that it, you know, I think with, you know, it's even with the sippy cup thing, I, I, I suspect most parents don't, don't have like a specific time where they finished totally with a sippy cup. You know, it was kind of more they weaned them off because, you know, they just grew and it became, you know, it was not like a day they marked on the calendar. Maybe it was, uh, but spiritual growth really happens more like that. You know, we're weaned progressively slowly off the sippy cup in a way that we might not even know exactly when that happened. Uh, And so with sanctification further, it rarely happens without commitment to diligence. Uh, And I think those are just some last words from me, uh, you know, that, you know, it's going to require diligence. We have to, you know, really commit to taking a practice. I mean, I see this, I try to do some biblical counseling and you see that, you know, a lot of people want those kind of quick fixes. A lot of people want to be sanctified by, you know, we just show up and we're good. But, you know, if you're not diligent, to pursue the things of the Lord. If you're not diligent to in counseling, do your homework, sanctification is not going to really happen in the way that we would hope it would. If you're a Christian, it will happen in some way. But anyway, what do you have to add? I'm sure you have some better thoughts than I do.
1: I think that's really good. And I have found that to be the case in my own life that when, I mean, suffering helps you grow. That's not something that we're called to seek out. I don't think we're to pray Lord I need you to send some suffering because man that's really going to make me grow. The Lord will will providentially bring that into our lives when when he sees fit and I mean I I don't no one is immune from it. Yeah. But when I have given intentional effort just like you said the the small steps kind of like to quote what about Bob the baby steps just giving sustained effort over time and doing it in faith, like, okay, as I do this, that God is actually at work in me. Philippians 2.13, work out your own salvation. So you put effort for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you work because he's yeah. inside working in you. I can't fully understand that, but I that's what he says. And so – and I've, I've found it to be true in my own experience um, that – and so, yes, there is a lot to be said for disciplined effort, but it's under the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, just do something. I think that's a good way of uh, of closing it up. Do something and keep doing it over and over in faith that God is going to meet you in that. Um, whether it's with your children, with yourself, with your spouse, within the church, and we're, we're going to make it a point. We're just going to keep doing this, and I think that God will bless that. Now. There's there's more to be said. There's more to be done over time, and in ways, things that we need to be aware of. But that's a good first step to to get moving off the sippy cup. Um, well, thanks for thinking about this with me, Tony. I think this was was helpful, and uh, I hope this be a blessing to to those who are discipling others whether they're their children or brothers and sisters or people that are outside the kingdom that they're trying to to make disciples for so. sure
0: and maybe you know next time we podcast you'll see me with a sippy cup for my coffee so i don't spill on myself
1: again <laughs> yeah don't get burnt it's a good discussion All right. brother well thanks for listening and uh take care
0: amen thank you for joining us for this episode of the theological family ministry podcast If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.